In today's episode, we're talking with someone who went from Secret Service intern to SEO superstar. You definitely don't want to miss this one, so don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really happy to be here with you today. And uh, we've got a long overdue interview today. I recorded this one back in April, and obviously it's been quite a hectic year. And I've been waiting to release this one for a little bit here, and I'm finally getting around to it. And um, it's going to be a good one. Before we get there, the reason I've been so bad about releasing episodes um, is obviously I've got so much going on with the book. So just wanted to give a quick thank you to all the people that left reviews or ratings for the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. Um, we're over 600 ratings on the Amazon US site, to say nothing of all the other ones that are going globally. So you know, I'm really grateful and really excited um, that there's been such wonderful feedback. I really appreciate the five-star reviews. I appreciate all the emails, all the positive feedback. And, um, you know, it's not just on Amazon. It's on Audible also. Um, I'm really glad that I made this an audio book as well. It seems like a lot of people are digging the format. And, of course, um, super pumped for the YouTube channel as well. We're over 630 subscribers as of this point, probably more by the time you're hearing this. And um, really, you know, just trying to put out good content through that avenue as well. So between that and the podcast, obviously I got my hands full. But um, let's, you know, on that note, let's waste no more time here. Let's dive straight into today's interview. It's going to be a good one. And I think you're going to like what you hear from Roman here. So let me switch up mics and let's dive in. All right. So next guest today is, is a really awesome one. I'm really excited for this conversation. Roman Prokopchuk is a first-generation immigrant from Ukraine, arriving with six other family members where they all shared a two-bedroom apartment. At one point, he interned with the Secret Service and held a top secret government clearance. But when the 2008 recession hit, Roman was forced to pivot and adjusted by teaching himself digital marketing, which he grew to love. Now he's got over 11 years of experience under his belt, leading teams on over 600 campaigns across countless industries. He founded his own digital marketing agency in 2012 and is the host of the Digital Savage Experience podcast, a top-rated top 100 podcast on Apple. He's also a foster parent to 20 kids since 2018, and we'll probably get into a little bit of that as well, but let's not waste any more time here before diving into things. So without further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Mr. Roman Prokopchuk. Roman, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being on Shattered the Mold. And uh, apologies if I butchered that last name at all for you. Nah, that's as close as it's going to be. And I really appreciate you having me on. Yes. And before we began recording, um, I kind of asked you for pronunciation, but I think people are going to be excited to learn more about you once we're done with this talk. So I figured how, just so they know, what is the really official way of saying your last name? Well, first and last name, it's like a rolling R. So it's uh, in Ukrainian, it's Roman Prokopchuk. So that P is rolled. Mm -hmm. um, but Roman Prokopchuk, I mean, I'm the, I guess, Roman Prokopchuk that is the top and everything. I mean, there's other ones. I mean, it's not a common name, but if you search for that, you can find me on all social and everywhere. So, Awesome. Cool. And, you know, obviously <laughs> your accent is perfect. You're American, it sounds like. What age did you come into the States from Ukraine? 
uh, five. So like you said, basically, if you learn a language before a certain age, the way your brain is developing and programming, you don't carry that accent over. So, you know, I've spoken to people on my show that are came here when they were like 15, 16, and they still, re- they're very fluent, but they still retain an accent based on how at that point of development, their brain uh, program. Gotcha. Now I kind of read in a, an abbreviated version of your story. I mean, you, you've, you've overcome a lot of obstacles and, you know, as far as I can determine, you've had a very, very interesting life. And, you know, I'm thinking about the timing of this episode and the timing of this recording. And obviously we're in a very weird time in the world's history with the pandemic and everything. And here I've got a guest coming on who not only survived the recession of 2008, but by, you know, all counts, you're, you're thriving. So you've kind of been through, you know, a, a bit of a economic beating yourself as have many people gone through. So I figured we might want to touch on that. I'm curious on your perspective here, because you are someone that, that made a huge pivot and taught himself a skill and built a business on it. How are you experiencing what's going on right now? And how are you responding to it with that experience under your belt? Yeah, so the only thing that's really different is I'm quarantined with four kids under the age of six, which is a little challenging. But other than that, for the last four years, I've been working remotely. So that remote aspect of kind of business as usual is still going on. Obviously, the kind of stir craziness is kicking in after, I guess, it's week five at this point, being inside and the weather not being that good. But you know, I'm, I'm adapted to it. I mean, like you said, in the 2008 recession, I had a degree in criminal justice. No one was hiring. You know, I was down and depressed. An opportunity came about. And I said, I have nothing to lose. So I think there's a lot of people in that similar situation where they were forced out of what they were doing. Obviously, services, hospitality, restaurants, that kind of stuff that they're, they were either fired or laid off now. So I think instead of kind of the mindset, what will I do or if my job will come back, figure out maybe now what another passion of yours is and maybe develop that, learn as quick as possible because, you know, information in 2020 is open source. You can find anything on the internet. Yes. And obviously there's certain people, hopefully not a lot in my audience, but certain people will have the reply of easier said than done. But I I always say, listen, if, if you're taking an hour on Netflix every day, that's an hour you can spend learning a skill. And you know, you don't want to drive yourself completely crazy, but obviously there is more time in the day than people realize, especially now where they can start cultivating a skill that they can really grow and learn off of. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So really going back here, I found interesting, you interned with the Secret Service. Uh, I didn't even know that they allowed interns. Like, And obviously, <laughs> I'm sure we can't go into too many details or there's, you know, certain classified stuff but to to whatever measure you could describe like what is it like interning and like what does that even entail so the background check was six months in order to get that um they went through family history interviewed friends and and people close to me jobs uh you know international stuff if i had any connection with any paramilitary groups terrorist groups so basically the background investigation took six months to attain that top secret federal clearance, because with that, I was actually in the Newark field office, which is ironically located in Morristown, New Jersey. And basically I was on the counterfeit currency squad. So as an intern, I would process uh, bills that would come in and different things of that nature that businesses thought were fraudulent or counterfeit. 
I would process them, kind of tag them, and you know, agents would investigate them because a lot of people don't know the the dual duty of a Secret Service agent is also working on uh, counterfeit currency. So if they're not mm-hmm. on protective duty, they're assigned to that kind of investigating that for kind of the the Treasury Department. So that's one of the things that you know is a little known fact. Other than that. You know, I knew about, you know, movings and goings of foreign dignitaries, the president. So there would be, you know, kind of a command center. So that six month background check was very important because you know where people are going to be at the right time. So, if you know, you want to be malicious and something happens, that information is kind of very timely. Uh, Funny thing is they took all the interns to the shooting range as well. So we got to shoot all their uh, guns, which was fun, uh, fun, in my opinion, because, mm-hmm. you know, that was interesting and seeing what kind of kind of firepower they have. And I went on a protective duty as well. It was the last few months of George W. Bush's uh, term. So I went on one of his daughters had a book tour and I kind of observed and, you know, got through the the line and whatever and fast track to kind of sit and see what the, you know, agents actually do and how they you know, protect in the field. Got it. Well, given your, it's, it's an interim position, do they devote a lot of resources toward training you or it's more just to see if it's going to right fit and then they train you later on if you actually get in? Yeah, it's just one of the things that they have a need for as, you know, interns. It was a program where I got three credits for that time there. And then if you wanted to go ahead, it wasn't one of those things where they offer you a job. You still have to go through kind of that government process where you have to take a formal written test, you know, psyche eval, things of that nature. And then if you get approved, you start going to training. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like that's something that you would have done had the recession not hit and the hiring freeze kind of came into play. Is that correct? I would have, but not necessarily on that federal level, because I saw that a agent every few years would have to switch posts. So in terms of kind of having a family or stability, you would have to move around. And at least one time in your career, you have to be in DC on that kind of, you know, president protective duty. Hmm. And if you kind of pissed off the head of your field office, the next post you could have would be like Fargo or Anchorage, Alaska, or somewhere that has (laughs) one other person that you basically just sit around for two, three years and kind of in purgatory. Oh, wow. (laughs) Important lesson. Don't piss the boss off. Got it. Right. But I guess that's all a moot point because, you know, you did pivot and you taught yourself (laughs) digital marketing, like, or like, I think you said that SEO is kind of like the, like, how did you even find your way into that? Um, Tell the story. Like, did you, was it kind of like a a chance meeting or did you, were you on this, like the prowl for that? How did that kind of play out for you? No, it was completely out of the blue. So only thing that really kind of kept me sane was going to the gym. Um, when I was kind of depressed, looking for jobs, couldn't find anything. And then I met someone at the gym and, you know, they knew I was looking for a job and my situation. So one day they said, you know, come out to my car after your workout. I want to give you something, which could have like went a lot of different ways. <laughs> so they opened their trunk and it was, I guess it was still 2008, but it's funny because they handed me a packet, like a 50 page packet. And it was about search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. So they said, read this, take another month or two to read up online. And then you can come in my business has a need. You can, you know, start off and do this for my business. Wow. That, that was very generous of them to, to give you the tools to say, here, you can, you can make money. Just here's the skill you need and go, go get it. 
Yep. And then after I did that for a few years, I put my resume out there and then another company hired me on a contract basis. And then eventually at that role, I went from a contract to a full-time hire. And in 2012, I founded my own agency. Mm. Now, when you founded your own agency, did you have a, a book of clients that were kind of ready or you just had to start from scratch and build it up? I started from scratch. I mean, uh, the place that I worked before and during. So I was building that business as I was uh, also uh, working for somewhere else. So nine to five was one thing and then six to 12 and then in between taking calls and things of that nature. So with that role, a lot of people were founding their own things, going freelance, uh, being promoted or promoted roles in other agencies. So I had that kind of lifeline Mm -hmm. that they knew already my skills and my uh, you know, results in terms of client successes. So a lot of stuff came as referral to begin with, which is nice. But um, eventually it led to kind of developing uh, more of a, you know, a client stream where I would have to go out and find them instead of depending everything else on uh, referrals. Right. Now your agency specifically, like what services does it really provide for people? Yeah. So the core is uh, search engine optimization, organic social, paid social, paid search, content strategy, and kind of overall uh, campaign planning, tactical planning. Mm. We can do other things, but if an agency comes to you and says they can do it all, something has to be a strength. Everything else is, you know, the competency is is good, but they have to be known for something. And that's kind of the core, the the starting point and what the core of uh, the business is. Got it. Got it. And wow, I guess it's eight years now that the firm has been alive and, and going. Yeah, it's kind of flew by. I can't believe it's 2020 in general, but. Right. Yeah. And I mean, with everything going on now, has, has it been business as usual? Do you have clients that are still marketing to people or have their businesses taken a hit and they're slowing down with you? Uh, most of the industries are either the same or more uh, businesses that have had marketing budgets that were devoted to advertising on site. So at like conferences or different live events, different booths and speaking engagements, all of those budgets kind of dissolved and moved online. So people are kind of uh, scattering to figure out where their, you know, target audience is and what they're doing in terms of user behavior now, because people, in my opinion, are spending more time online, both for work and for leisure because Mm. they're forced to do so. So figuring out if there's any other user behavior that's different than pre-pandemic and targeting those areas where those people tend to spend most of their time online. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure I'm sure you see all sorts of different opinions. If I'm in a business where it's about conferences and then all of a sudden you can't be in crowds, uh, my first instinct is to try to do some kind of like online summit. Yeah, virtual summits. I, yeah. I've seen yeah. a lot of those. Got it. And then, you know, the beauty of that is you got SEO skills. So it just becomes a little tweak of what you already know and you can serve the clients once again. Yep. That. And I mean, I recommend in terms of kind of promotion, a lot of in-person speakers have moved to uh, kind of like a podcast tour. So everywhere they would speak, you know, a, a great opportunity now is podcasts that obviously have an interview format mm-hmm. and it, it can reach additional audiences and add value that way. I mean, I recommend podcasts as a natural link building channel as well, because most shows will link to whatever you want in terms of your business or product or who you are in the show notes. So that adds value 
back to your website in terms of authority. So that's kind of like a symbiotic PR slash secondary value of, uh, you know, SEO kind of link building as well. Got it. Got it. And for you, like, I mean, it sounds like you also incorporate your podcast into this, this whole mix. Is that something that goes specific to digital marketing and your agency or does it go in, in other directions as well? No, it's in other directions. Uh, it was more of a passion project at first. If you go to episode one, obviously there's improvements in life and in what you do, hopefully. So episode one, I was literally recording on my phone. As you see, I'm not recording on my phone anymore. Mm-hmm. On uh, episode 162 is live. And there's another 53 episodes in queue, which is a little crazy. But um, yeah, some of it is digital marketing professionals or people that have transitioned in similar paths, like I was totally in a different kind of career mindset. But others, the show is basically highlighting kind of motivating and inspirational journeys, how people got to where they are now, and the hurdles and some of the things personally and professionally, they had to overcome to help other people that may be in similar situations and may feel like they're the only ones, but showing that there's somebody else out there is more relatable. So obviously, if I'm going through something, and somebody's sympathetic, you know, I'm sorry, this and that, you might want to hear it a little bit more from somebody that actually lived it, and then can give you kind of, uh, you know, some takeaways or things how you overcame it, or how you can kind of fast track to where you're trying to go. Got it. Got it. Oh, sounds cool. I mean, it's, it's always good when things evolve. And um, I mean, I know, I, I kind of look back on some of my old episodes. And at the time I thought I was decent, but now I was like, oh, those really sucked. But they're supposed to, like, they're supposed to be of a lower quality because you have to improve. And most people don't even begin because of that very fear that it's not going to be perfect, that their mics aren't going to be of a highest quality and their camera won't be perfect and all those things. So it's all about uh, just th- starting things off. And you're pretty deep in the podcast now, right? How many episodes do you have in the can? Yeah, the, like I said, uh, 162 went live last Friday. Mm. I was experiencing some issues with uh, Apple Podcasts, which is funny. They actually got back to me that they're having some back-end issues from updating podcasts in a timely manner because mine was usually when I pushed live, it would be on uh, Apple Podcasts within an hour or two. And the last episode took five. I mean, it was still visible to my subscribers, but on the main Apple podcast page that if, you know, a random person came on, it was still the previous episode. So I think there's an influx of podcasts. I believe I saw an article, there's a million now technically active, <laughs> but how active are they really? And uh, that kind of was influx of that. But like I said, I released two a week and right now it's 53 in queue. So it's been a little crazy with like more people wanting to come on and access to guests that may have been a little harder to get on previously. But Mm. I mean, at this point, I have like five months of content, which is crazy. Yeah, well, it's always good to batch produce. That way things get, you know, tough and or things get busy with the business, you can kind of take a breather, but no one will ever be the wiser. So that's, that's awesome, man. Cool. And, you know, I I think back to like earlier when we were talking, you mentioned how there was a resistance, um, which I agree with. I mean, I wouldn't do it either towards being in a job where you bounce all over the place because like family is important to you. And I guess that brings us to uh, the fact that you've fostered like what, 20 kids in total since uh, two years ago? Yeah, since June 2018. So yeah, it's it's up there. And um, there's crazier numbers. I mean, uh, we've met and, and kind of um, 
I guess networked or found like support groups where people have done it for like 10 years and have had like 500 kids at this point. So like there's crazy numbers out there, but my current situation where I'm remote leads me to be a better kind of, you know, uh, part of their lives. So as a foster child, they have a lot of visits, parental visits, you know, visitation, depending on the case every week, they have to have a visit from the caseworker. Right now with the whole pandemic thing, they have a call um, every week with their caseworker and it's three different cases because four kids from three different families. So each of them has a set of a caseworker, a nurse, a law guardian, another uh, individual and calls with their parents. So luckily I have my wife that she's dealing with her whole, her whole stuff. Also, she pivoted to education. So she's finishing up her degree remotely. She has five classes now that have moved virtual as well, but we calculated there's 17 hours of calls that the kids have to be on. So wow. making time for that and scheduling it around my work schedule, what she's doing with class and work. And it's been like, a, you know, juggling ever since we had this stay at home order. Right. And I mean, obviously there's also a, you know, a financial uh, responsibility when you're doing all this. So it's, it's amazing uh, that you like what what inspired you and your wife to to give this much most people don't give on this level yep so prior to which kind of uh, go back a little uh, three years we've been doing infertility treatment so in the last three years we've experienced five miscarriages and have spent over 100k out of pocket which obviously you know that 100k I could have did other things with but I mean that was kind of what that money went for because a lot of the stuff in terms of Infertility treatment insurance doesn't cover after kind of the first cycle or they cover a certain percentage and everything else is out of pocket. So we've done that. And then we said, let's try, you know, fostering actually like our formal classification is foster to adopt. So if we have a child and the, the parent loses parental rights, termination of parental rights, they come to us first in terms of are we willing to adopt that child as well? Wow. Wow. Does uh, the state help out at all in terms of financial stuff or you, you take it on yourself? No, yep. So in, in terms of the foster care system, I mean, I can speak to New Jersey, but there is a stipend for each child, which is allotted to food, clothing, activities, uh, experiences, and they have their own kind of insurance as well through the state. So the state does cover that uh, depending on child care, if they are in uh, preschool or kind of uh, pre-K, a lot of them are covered 100%. Some, you know, some like Montessori ones are very like elite preschools. You're going to have to pay something out of pocket, but mm -hmm. they do a decent job covering. But these kids, I don't know how they eat. I mean, we go through like a loaf of bread for lunch in terms of sandwiches and they eat like 50 chicken nuggets for dinner <laughs> if that's chicken nuggets. So it's just like they just eat through the house. I believe it, my friend. And wow, just major respect to you and your wife for, for doing that. That's most people, you know, there's, there's the energetic contribution, the financial, like there's, even when you're getting help, that's a lot to take on. So uh, major props to you, my friend, for that. Um, <clears throat> now, I imagine also like, you know, you're, you're raising these kids, even everything going on right now becomes like learning opportunities. Are you taking like the news and, and the, the changes in these events are using these as opportunities to try to teach them specific lessons about life. Somewhat. I mean, they are younger. So the oldest one is six, then four and a half, two mm. and a half and two. 
So they don't even, I mean, they know, like they can say coronavirus, but they don't necessarily know what it is. I mean, we've told them that, you know, there's stuff in the air that will make us sick and we have to stay home. And then when everything's better, you can go back to school and preschool. So their sense of that, but uh, other than them just running around because it's four boys, which is another dynamic destroying everything. And here it's been raining for a while. So going outside is limited. So they have kind of their, their laid out kind of um, school or class schedule in terms of learnings. And other than that, we try to make it as easy as possible for them to understand what's going on, but they can only understand it to a certain level. Got it. Got it. Cool. Understood. Awesome. So uh, one part I want to make sure to get in this conversation, again, you being a successful entrepreneur who's already been through recession, I was going through this, like what kind of advice would you give to people that are listening right now that they're just, if they're feeling either hopeless or apathetic, or they're not sure what direction they might want to take, what might you say to somebody without obviously meeting them in person and knowing their specific situation? If, if they're in a situation where, you know, they've been laid off or fired and they think their job isn't going to come back or they may want to do something else, just really think about what their strengths are and kind of starting from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you may want to do something and I encourage people to kind of chase their dreams, but if you're not going to take action or don't have the skill set or develop it, it's, it's going to stay a dream. So for me, I mean, I had the skill set of kind of being analytical and I wanted to constantly learn. So digital marketing is a field that's constantly changing. So I constantly have to stay up on, you know, strategies, techniques, and testing. So figuring out like what your passions are or were, and if those passions align to your strengths Mm -hmm. and if they don't necessarily align to your strengths, and if you're pursuing something that's, you may not even be, you know, strong or proficient in, and you feel like you're not going to get strong and proficient, then you might have to pivot. So I think, I mean, there's still time. I don't know how long this is going to last, but also thinking about what the world is going to look like, you know, post pandemic, our communication is going to be similar. Are there going to be new businesses? What can you kind of capitalize or add value or solve a problem? Because I believe last recession, there's been like 12 unicorn companies that were founded during it. So now billion dollar companies that were founded during that time that, mm. you know, alleviated a need and served a purpose and then grew from then to now. That part I didn't know. Very interesting. Uh, and one thing I want to highlight for people listening, because obviously in your situation, um, it was different in that, you know, there wasn't social distancing. So you would go out, but you went out in the world, even to the gym you interacted with people, you kind of put yourself out there without even trying to put yourself out there. So here we are in a situation where there's social distancing, you can't quite do that, but that doesn't stop you from putting yourself out there in terms of being on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on reaching out to people, on going into groups. Like there's ways of, of getting out there and interacting with people that might lead to the happenstance, sort of like what you enjoyed, where that guy shared that information and kind of extended a, a helping hand and an invitation for you to kind of lift yourself up. Yep. I mean, there's things, uh, groups prior to this that I've been part of on like websites like meetup.com and all of those still meet virtually. So I'm in a lot of, uh, you know, marketing groups, tech kind of startup groups, and they're still meeting virtually. So you can still, you know, network and meet and connect with, you know, the advance. And I mean, if this happened 10 years ago, we didn't have Zoom. I mean, it would be a lot of, a little harder to communicate in this sense, but you know, you can have, you know, tens of people on a call and still communicate somewhat, you know, logically in terms of the background noise and back and forth. 
So I think with the advent of technology, you should use it and not, you know, necessarily frown on it or, or say something like, you know, technology is bad. But I feel like with this whole pandemic, people are connecting more and seeing and communicating a lot more than they did with the same people prior to this, at least for myself. So go on sites like meetup.com, perfect thing. Uh, Facebook groups, you know, that's where we kind of connected. Mm-hmm. Find a group that's something you're interested in. A lot of groups have different resources and things of that, like takeaways that are shared in that group. Ask questions. Majority of groups, everybody's fairly helpful and, you know, polite and positive. So start there. I mean, you're probably on Facebook anyway, so why not do something positive with that time? Exactly. Hell of it. Uh, Roman, if, if people want to listen to the podcast or even learn more about the agency in case they want to hire you, like what's the best way for them to, to get like the best web address or the best resource from the get there? Yep. So the podcast is the Digital Savage Experience. So if you Google that, all the platforms and everything, just jump on, pick your you know preferred listening platform. And the company is Novazora Digital. So it's novazoradigital.com. Perfect. And what I'll do is I'll obviously make sure to put the links through Apple Podcasts and for your digital marketing agency in the show notes for the page where I post this interview. So if no one has an excuse for uh, misspellings, they can just jump in and click on that. Um, Last question I just want to leave off with just because you've had such an interesting life. And sometimes I ask this of guests and sometimes I don't, but you know, if you can kind of go back in time to, um, you know, 10 years or even 15, what's the best advice you would give to your younger self to prepare them for the future that laid ahead of them? I would say kind of don't be scared of sharing your story or kind of branding yourself in that sense and in a genuine manner. So a lot of people are sharing stuff, doing interviews about the people they want to be and not necessarily where they are now. But I think those experiences from the past are very powerful and mold, you know, who you are and who you're going to be in terms of growing. So I feel like sharing and utilizing things that already exist that may be used for, you know, like social media, people are, are just killing time on social media. Well, use that opportunity to brand yourself, position yourself to the right audiences. And basically at this point, I should have created content a lot sooner. So you know, video, audio, uh, image, uh, text. And I think with the whole podcast, if I had a chance to go back and start it five, six years prior to when I wanted to, it would probably be at this point kind of a, a full-time endeavor. Mm, got it. And it's already top 100. So obviously, you know, add five years or six years to that process and, and what a difference, right? Uh, cool. So Roman, thank you so much, man. This, this has been really interesting. And, you know, I always say this, but there's a lot of gold in a lot of the responses that you gave me today. So I hope people got a lot out of this, but I also hope that they'll listen back to a lot of the insight that you shared. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Today. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thanks again, Roman, for those awesome insights. I really appreciate it. Hey, guys, if you like this one, by all means, now might be the time to pull out your phone, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and leave a quick, honest, written review. And stick around. We've got some more awesome guests on the way this week, probably, if I keep my act together. Um, And, you know, I've got a lot of fun stuff on the way. It's just a question of how soon I can upload. But I'm confident that you've got some really fun stuff, uh, definitely before the month is out, but probably before the week is out as well. So, you know, stick around, stay tuned. I'll see you next time. 
thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. <laughs>